Welcome to the Covenant Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at covenantchurch.net. Thank you so much, Pastor McCready. Joy to see you here this morning, and I thank you so much for being here. Let me just do a couple of courtesy things, if I may please, this morning. Make a couple of connections. I share with you that we'll be hosting a couple of teenagers. They're with us this morning. Jasmine, Corey, where are you? Please stand up. Please stand up. From back in Clinch Valley, coal mining country, they've been with us this week, and these, they're, they're virtually straight-A students in a very tough part of, of some of the poorest country of Virginia. And uh, 78% of children, 78% of children in that area do not live with their parents. And so they do live with their mother and her husband. Their father was killed. And uh, so they are good students. We decided we'd bring them in because Jasmine would like to one day be a gynecologist and serve at UVA. So we decided we'd put some wind in their cells. She actually wanted her picture taken in front of the uh, children's ward at UVA the other day, their children's department. And I thought that was kind of cool. She said, one day I will serve here. One day. I'm very pleased this morning to welcome Dr. Robert Brown, who is a very good friend of mine. Dr. Brown, will you please stand? I'm pleased. He is a, an esteemed forensic psychiatrist, and we have collaborated in a number of different situations through the years for a long ways back. And by the way, his mother was a Pentecostal tongue-speaking his woman way back the turn of the early part of the last century, uh, so, uh, or into the early part of the 1900s. So thank you so much. It means a lot that you're here this morning. And uh, I would also want to specially recognize Bo and Marlou. Uh, Bo, 23 years ago, you took me to Indonesia. It changed my life. I will forever be grateful. Dr. Zapanta and Lita. Uh, Dr. Zapanta, if you'll stand, Lita, please. Uh, She is a nurse. He is an ENT specialist. And this is the doctor that I may or may not have shared with you a few weeks ago. I had a, a problem with my ears, and I went to him, and I had actually had an object go down in this ear, and it was down so deep and lodged and had been there so long that it had actually started grafting to the skin of my eardrum. The skin of the eardrum had started growing on the object. And even though he's a specialist, uh, he finally said, Pastor Bear, this is tough. And he said, we're going to pray, and one more time, I'm going to try. And after that, you'll have to go for surgery at UVA. And we pray. he prayed, and he was able to bring that object out with a touch of skin off of my eardrum. And I want to say thank you. It was a miraculous morning. I thought I was going deaf, and I walked out being able to hear without my hearing aid. And so I'm so grateful, so, so grateful. There are others of you who are here today that I welcome Sam and Novini. When are you going to get home from up in northern Virginia and get back here? We miss you. It's time for you to get a job back here. Uh, thank you for being here today and, and all of you. Now, just a little bit of business, if I may please. Siraj and Felicia, where are you this morning? Will you please stand? Siraj and Felicia. These are medical doctors. 
So if you will, please, Wilson, stand. Uh, Dr. Zapanta, you're over the mountain, but who, are, who here is in medical college? Is Rebecca here this morning? I think she's having to work. Connect with Wilson afterward. He'll get you connected to some of the other people who are in medical college, doctors, what have you, at UVA. So get together with them afterward. Wilson, please, thank you so much. Um, Felicia is finishing up her medical work as a doctor in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, Siraj is finishing up five years here at UVA. And so we like to connect people here, and if you know of other people, get, get them together in whatever your area is. We, we like to do that so it's more comfortable for you. Now, <clears throat> this morning is going to be an unusual message. I will share that with you. And I'm going to rely pretty heavily on my notes. And so it will be a significant morning. Some of you are aware, some of you are not, but I will be sharing something with you as the sermon unfolds. And so it is important this morning that I remind you that last Sunday I talked to you about grit. How many of you remember that? Someone talked to you about grit. You remember me actually saying to you there are times in my life when I've kind of had to back myself up against the doorpost and say, get a hold of yourself and grit up. Just back up to the door and say, hey, get a hold of yourself and take a look at your parents, take a look at your mom, your dad, and others in your family and other people in your life who have been warriors uh, of faith and say, now it's your turn, buck up. Well, that's what I was doing when I was preaching to you last Sunday morning. I was kind of putting my back to the door frame. So I will explain that to you a little more in just a few minutes, if you will, please. But first, I want to share a scripture with you and do something that is very fundamentally and doctrinally important for who we are as a body here at Covenant Church. So for just a few minutes, allow me, if you'll stand, I want to share this scripture with you from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses one through four. Peter is writing, and I will explain more after I've shared scripture, and he says, beginning chapter five, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I thank you, and you may be seated. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Context is important, and Peter, who is now probably 60-some years of age, we would assume, which would have been a very old man in that day. Remember that the average lifespan of a person during the Roman Empire, that time of Jesus, would only have been about age 43. It's not that people didn't live longer, because we know that John, uh, the beloved, uh, John was 90, approximately 90 years of age when he actually penned the words given to him by Jesus Christ for the book of Revelation. But the problem was war and disease and, and nutrition. Uh, 
And so if you, had, if you were walking the streets of Rome 2,000 years ago, um, Hallie, how tall are you? Five, five feet exactly? Uh, who's five feet five inches tall? You're anybody? David, please step here. If you were walking the streets of Rome 2,000, come on up here beside me. 2,000 years ago, this would have been the average height of a Roman soldier. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you go to, thank you, David. If you go to buildings 2,000 years old, you will see that David could have walked into the entrance of the buildings without bending over, and I would have cracked my head wide open. And the reason why is because people were shorter. Nutrition was terrible, okay? And war was awful. Tens of thousands of people could be killed in a day. So the average lifespan is like 43. Peter is now 60-some, and he is considered one of the great leaders of the early Christian church, and he's writing to the church that has dispersed. It's called the diaspora. They have, Rome is in a crisis uh, it, it's uh, 60-some years after the birth of Jesus, and already Rome is beginning to fracture from inside. What's happening is they've conquered the known world. They have, uh, don't have time to explain all this to you, but I'm a student of Roman history. They've conquered the known world. They have a great, great military, and they're paying so many benefits to the military, they can't keep up with the tax treasury, enough taxes to pay the military. The military is restless, and then they have conquered so many people and made them slaves that they've got more slaves than they do citizens. When Rome fell, there were 500,000 slaves inside the city of Rome. Now, it's sometime after the time of the writing of Peter, but already there are fractures in the Roman Empire. So what happens is Caesar, in order to kind of settle things down, he decides, some of the Caesars decided, you know what we'll do is we will find a scapegoat. We'll find somebody we can blame the ills of the kingdom on. And what they decided to do, especially Nero, was say, we wouldn't be having problems if it weren't for Christians. And he considered Christians the easiest ones to get rid of. And so he started persecuting them. People said, yeah, that's it. Feed them to the lions, you know. Pull them apart by horses, you know. Saw them in two with a saw. Uh, burn them at the stake. And they would actually, you, you may or may not know this, but they would actually like, have great bakeries in the city of Rome and other cities of the Roman kingdom and bake enough bread for everybody to have a piece of bread and a glass of wine, and they would give them free admission to go into the arena and watch Christians be killed by gladiators, lions, whatever else. And so now the Christians in Rome, uh, those that are surviving, are scattered like a thousand miles away. And so they get away, they think away. But Peter sends a message and he said, no, you're not out of reach. You know, basically he's saying Caesar's hand is going to find you. And you've been through some things, but you're going to go through some tougher things. So you want to keep that in mind in context of the scripture. And he begins chapter 5. Um, I, I was in a high school band and college orchestra, and so I loved it when the director would uh, move past the, uh, uh, you know, the forte and all the other kinds of words you use in music. And when he would like come down with his baton, it would be crescendo fortissimo. 
you know, and that's when the timpanies, man, they're wide open and I'm on the bass back in the back and I'm as loud as I can go. And the drums are beating and it's just wide open. I think of chapter five as being fortissimo. And he says it, I think he lifted his voice if he were talking to people and he said, now to you elders and a little firmness in his voice. I'm talking to you elders. Before me today sits two families, David and Jennifer Barredo and their children, David and Hallie, and William and Diana Hatter. And these two families have vetted and met the esteem and the appreciation and respect of the elders. And these two men will be added to our elders' body. I am happy to share with you that I know both of them and know them well, and that William Hatter, former pastor, a Christian, a lover of God, is a man of great wisdom, and he will be an immense blessing to this body. He and Diana love doing one-on-one -on -one ministry with people who are going through difficult times, and I think we have only begun to see how they will complement the excellence of this body and serve the Lord. David and Jennifer, Jennifer Barredo, I do not know how old you were when you first came, Jennifer. How old? Eight years of age since I have known Jennifer. And David, I actually picked him and his family up, the Barredo family, at an airport on a winter night in, I think, December? In February, a cold, bitter winter night. We stopped at McDonald's, didn't we? And so they wanted uh, to get to a McDonald's at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I have known David since age 12. I'm happy to share with you that he is, in my estimation, one of the finest young men that I've ever known in all of my days. And I esteem him highly. Uh, he has loved the Lord all of the life that I have known him. And in a critical time, building this building, when we were virtually out of money, he brought in all of his savings as a teenager. And his dad said, son, son, what are you doing? And he said, dad, I believe it's pleasing to the Lord. And he brought in all of his money that you were saving for what, David? For college. He brought in all the money he had saved for college and gave it to the building fund to finish this building. Now, I'm hoping that will motivate some of you to get into your piggy bank, okay, <laughs> and, and make it happen. Um, there will be a more formal ordination service at a later time. But for very certain reasons this morning, I wanted to acknowledge them so that they can become a part of this significant leadership of the elders. Three things that Peter says to elders. One, he says to them, you've got to care. Care is about other people. Care is outside yourself. And Peter's very emphatic with this, and what he does is actually he draws upon the example of Jesus, and he says, now look, you know what you want to do, we go to John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18, and Jesus says, I'm the great shepherd. And this is what a shepherd does, elders. A shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. So caring is a fundamental first kind of quality, characteristic, manifestation of an elder. We'll look at some other things here briefly as we move 
to the second part of the message. I'd like for all the elders who are here this morning to please stand. From the back to the front, I thank you very much. James Touchton, Wayne Roberts, Sylvester Prince, Ernie Diamampo, Danny Bear, Patsy Parks, uh, Butch Evangelista, Rose Williams in a wheelchair there, David Barreto and William Hatter. Thank you. I think we have a couple who are not here at the moment, but I want to acknowledge you and tell you why I am able to stand here with such competence this morning as it will become clearer to you as I finish this message. Second thing that Peter says to the elders is, you got to know how to bear your cross. Now, bearing a cross means you have to deny yourself. And this is more than caring. This is now carrying the burden of the church. The burden of the church is something that becomes consuming and transcends our personal and individual lives. And he says to them, imagine Peter talking to other people now, talking to other elders. And he says, now look, I'm talking to you. You're not a Lord. The fact that they call you elder doesn't make you a Lord. Um, I do not think I have ever in my time as your pastor ever looked at anyone and said to them, I will have you know I'm the pastor and this is the way it's going to be. In fact, if I ever do that, you should call me on it and if need be, take me to prayer because that would be a violation of Scripture. I do not have that authority to try and demand of you subservience because I'm an elder. My role is to lead you. Your role is to follow. And I must do what I do, and we must do as what we do as elders, willingly. And Peter says to them, you must not do it as a chore. You must not do it as a duty. Don't, don't lead and complain about leading. Don't do that. And not for dishonest gain. Now, I'm going to call it out and say it. It is revolting to me that there is a minister in this country who has publicized that he would like to buy a $50 million jet. That's just disgusting to me. And that there are people who are foolish enough to be helping him buy it. Uh, first of all, he has other jets. It's not like he needs a jet. He just wants to add one to his fleet. In fact, he is so wealthy, he has given jets away to other ministries. And I want to tell you, that's a violation of Scripture. I'm just going to say it, and I'm being recorded. It'll go worldwide. Maybe he will see it and hear it. And I would tell him, no, it's wrong. You cannot use your position as an elder for personal gain or personal glory. Are you all with me on that? That's very important. That's scriptural. I didn't make that up. I didn't get up earlier than you this morning and say, I want to say something unusual today. Okay? I'm just taking it from Scripture. He says, no, you can't do this. But he said, do what you do out of love for Christ and His church. And here's what he says. He must be an example to the flock. So you should be able to look at my life and the lives of the elders of this church and say, that's the way to go. That's the life I want to live. That's what's supposed to happen. That we are supposed to be examples. Peter notes kindly that he actually saw the sufferings of Jesus and he intimates that he has experienced sufferings and we know that later, according to history, he was crucified. And when they told him, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord crucified me. History says he was crucified with his head to the ground and his feet up in the air. 
Now, as an elder to David Barreto and William Hatter and other elders who have served well and are serving well, I admonish you to serve humbly. I admonish you to serve generously. And I admonish you to serve with your greatest goal being the third thing. So he says to them, I want you to care. I want you to bear a cross. But I don't want you to think that all of this is self-sacrificing. Because what you're really working for is the crown of eternal glory. Siraj, you hear me this morning? So you're going to be a doctor. Great. I'm proud. Felicia, proud of you. Great. Go do it. Knock it out of the ballpark. But what you really want to do is get a crown of glory one day that the Bible says will not fade away, John Logan. The Bible says that the crown of glory will not fade away. And there's where he rested. And he says to the elders, now keep focus because all the things that happen in between is just stuff. You know, one of the brothers in the church this week, he and I, we had uh, something we were trying to coordinate, and it fell apart. And he came up to me this morning, and he was apologetic because something happened on his end he couldn't control. And I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, how many times do I have to tell you this is all just stuff? It's just stuff. I didn't even think about it. Oh, he said, thank you, Pastor, because it really did bother me. I said, it's just stuff. Now, it's a good day when you learn to separate stuff away from the crown of glory. Amen. It's a good day when you're able to separate between the things that will pass away and the things that will never pass away. Now, if you will allow me, I'm going to ask Layla to join me here because the next few minutes is going to be something of an adventure for you. And if you will allow me, please, to share with you some very personal comments. The Lord has brought us this far, and it's been an incredible journey. Uh, we have accomplished a building program that has been monumental. We're almost there in unity. And I want to say again, if I think of proud moments of being a pastor, it's being outside one Sunday morning when there was red mud everywhere and when construction people and Danny and the team had managed to put some kind of bridge across all the red mud and it was ra that rainy season, that horribly rainy season a couple of years ago or so, and I saw ladies come through the parking lot and walk through water up over their shoes and come into church and never look down at their feet. And I said, I'm a pastor of good people. <laughs> so we did it. We're almost there. I will confess to you this morning that there have been weeks that if you had not given that Sunday, we would have not been able to pay contractors. We have had a number of those weeks, and when I've stood here calmly and said, we need you to give, and we've come through. I want to share with you, in the last couple of three weeks, we had somebody give 30000 somebody is offering 20000 and somebody else 5000 and I can't tell you how my blood pressure goes down with that. So if you can, now's the time. Get it done. And you're going to understand, I'm going to say it again, 
a little more why it's so important in just the next very few minutes now. So I thank you for what you've done, for what you are going to do, and for who you are. Just a little over two weeks ago, Layla and I had had precious time in the morning together, and she loves her morning devotions quietly, and I'm in the living room, and I stand up, and when I do, I've had, I'd had an allergy, and, um, you know, just kind of coughing, like, <coughs> you know, just these allergy things, and I'd been doing it for several days, it was something in the air, and that morning, I was, <coughs> oh, wait a minute, that's not on the right side. Why, why on the left side and not the right side? I said, that's odd. And then I slid my fingers along my rib cage. And as I did, I sensed a sensitivity. And I came to a spot and kind of pressed. And I said, that's sore. Now, I must tell you, I typically would have thought no more of that than swatting a fly off of my nose. I've come to church with headaches, back aches, feet aches, whatever else. You know, hey, I'm off to the office. Necktie on, ready to go. That morning. But instinctively, I said, I'm going to see Dr. Stokes. Crazy of me. Totally out of character for me. Dr. Stokes and Sue are here this morning. And they're precious to me and will always be precious to me. Please stand, Dr. Stokes. So I went in that morning, and Sue said, you need to talk to, to, to the doctor. He came in. He said, what's up? I told him. He said, let me feel that. He said, you know what? I don't like this. We're going to do blood work. So they did blood work, and he said, I'm going to run a special kind of test. Now, I want to tell you, friends, the miracle is, the miracle is you're going to hear he probably, he gave me the best chance of saving my life. He could have said, ah, you probably got a little, you know, that's no. But he said, no, blood test. And the enzyme indicated that I had an inflammation of the pancreas. He said, there's really nothing we can do for that. He said, you can take some pain medicine. Uh, but he said, we don't, we don't have anything that you can actually do for that. Um, he said, but let's get this blood test done and see what happens. And when it came back next day with my enzymes elevated from my pancreas, he said, let's uh, get a CAT scan. So we got a CAT scan. And uh, I got to tell you a little comical there. Uh, Dr. Stokes, he called and logged in the CAT scan. And you know how it can be. You might hear two or three days from now, something, you know, and so forth. But when he told me where, I said, ah. so I got, hello. Put me through to the ladies that uh, make the appointments for, uh, you know, the CAT scans and all. So they put me through, and I said, hi, good morning. How you doing? Yeah, right. Good talking to you. Hey, Wanda, this is Pastor Bear. Hi, Pastor Bear. What's up, Pastor Bear? I said, well, Dr. Stokes logged me, and she said, well, hold on a minute. I don't think it's come up yet. Let me look and see you. And so she said, um, yeah, okay, yeah, here it is back here. We would have gotten to it and called you later. I said, no, 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 Wanda, Wanda, I want that CAT scan soon. And she said, well, Pastor Bear, we're booked. And I said, Wanda, come on, come on, Wanda, Wanda, please, I'm asking you. Wanda, what's it going to take? I'll bring you chocolate. I'll do anything you say. Just find me a slot. 
And so she actually got me in for the next day for a CAT scan. CAT scan showed shadows. The shadows then, Dr. Stokes said, okay, let's move this thing forward. So we did a consult, then we did an MRI. The MRI showed that I have a malignancy on my pancreas and on my left kidney. Uh, we think on my left kidney, it's not been biopsied, but I have a spot on my left kidney. So from that, we moved forward with another consult and I met and Dr. Bridge Bossy. I do not know if he is here this morning. He wanted to be here this morning and I'd never met him before this, but now we're glued together for life. He's such a wonderful brother, Amen. wonderful. And uh, I must tell you, he did the biopsy and he told me the news. He said, you do have a, a cancer on your pancreas and uh, so forth. And I've got to tell you, after we talked it all through and what would come next, he just stopped pulled up his chair and he looked at Layla and me and he said, let me share something with you. I'm going to be there with you, not just through this, but for the rest of your life. Do you understand? And I thought, wow. And I said, well then doctor, can we do prayer together? And we had prayer. And so God is a, is a good God. So what happens is if you go on and search and look at pancreatic cancer, you'll see that there are 10 like critical symptoms is what you typically will find. Two or three are very conspicuous. One of them you don't want to hear is that it can be extremely painful. Um, uh, but the 10 symptoms are there, and I have gone through those again and again. Now the amazing thing is the inflammation that alerted me to go to Dr. Stokes is gone. If I had not gone to him three or four days later, I would have had no soreness. I would have been like now. I've just been standing here. But because I went to him and because of the enzyme test and because of the CAT scan and the MRI, they now know that I have cancer. If I had not known and had not gone, then it could have possibly been six months from now that I could have had a pain and they could have just simply said, talk to the, talk to the guy that's going to take care of you on the other end. Okay? Y'all see that? So I see the hand of God Amen. written all over it in timing. And so his graciousness is there. So I have, I'm standing here before you. It's surreal to me. I'm going to tell you it's surreal. It's like, no, this can't be true because I have no pain, no loss of weight, nothing that I can put a finger on that says that I have cancer. And yet I have cancer. I have cancer that will challenge me. The good news is I discovered this morning that there is optimism. They may be able to start with laparoscopy, but because I may have to also have my spleen removed, that they may have to then do some incisions. So for those of you who are knowledgeable, it will not be, he says, you will not need the Whipple, W-I-P-P-L-E, I think it is. You will not need the Whipple, but they may have to do a more invasive surgery. Now, here's good news again, if you want good news. The pancreas, I don't know how to describe it to you. It's kind of like a, a, a pear in a way, or like a yellow pepper. And the stem is in the end, and the butt end of it, on the big end, is, is the attachment. Am I getting that right, Dr. Cantrell? The stem's in the end. My cancer is kind of halfway in the middle and given that it is contained, they're going to be able to cut off my pancreas 
and, and just close it, and I can live with a half of a pancreas. And so that's good news. Spleen probably gone, maybe lose one kidney. The um, good news of this is that immediately, you know, the people I know around the country that uh, I can resource, I consult with them, and they say, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland, Ohio Clinic, thus and so, thus and so, but here's the wonderfully good news. UVA is like right there, number one in America with kidney. UVA is right in the top echelon with cancer of the pancreas. One of the best doctors in the world is at UVA for pancreatic cancer. And so 30 minutes from my home, I'm in a hospital. Dr. Stokes to watch over me, Dr. Bridge Bossy, and a host of other people who are so kind. Dr. Cantrell, still connected there, retired but connected, and other people. So I'm standing here before you this morning and reminding you that when I preached last Sunday, I was putting my back to the doorpost and saying, grit up, Pastor Bear, and look out at this congregation because this week you will know whether or not you have cancer. And this week, this Sunday, I know that I do have cancer. Now here's some things that Layla and I are going to ask you to do, and I'm going to preface it with this. I don't ever remember in 37 years asking you for anything for me. Not one time. But I'm going to ask now. Here's what I'm going to ask. Could I say one of the miracles? One of the miracles that's already happened is that you had me standing up here this long without saying anything. (laughs) Go ahead. You no, got it. No, that's it. I'm with you. <laughs> if you want to say something else, say it. Now you must know. It's got to be a little frightening for Layla, right? And for my family. My grandchildren will only know after this service. So they're getting a text along about right now. My children I did share with earlier. Uh, but I, I thought I wanted you to know. Uh, I wanted you, I didn't want you hearing rumors, and if anybody asks you, it's not three inches long cancer, it's two centimeters. So if you know what two centimeters is, but then the other thing you bear in mind is two centimeters is enough to kill you if you don't take care of it. (laughs) You understand? I mean, two centimeters of of, uh, malignant cancer is not to be fooled with. So I'm just trying to help you understand, and I wanted you to have the clear story I want you to know I do have cancer. I want you to know I'm under excellent medical care. And that the hope will be, uh, this coming week, let me let them come back to you in a moment. The hope will be that on Wednesday morning, tomorrow morning I have a consult. Wednesday morning at 8.50, I meet with Dr. Sudaf, Sudaf, Zudaf, With the doctor. With Dr. Z. I'll say Dr. Z. <laughs> I get it right, sometimes I don't. He is out there genius in this area. And I'm going to tell you something I'm going to do this afternoon. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to handwrite a very personal note to him and tell him that I've never met him before, but I've heard how brilliant he is and I have heard how wonderful a surgeon he is and that I'm looking forward to meeting him and I'm going to take that by tomorrow morning and it will be on his desk hopefully when he opens his office door if I can get a secretary to put it there and uh, he will open that and I'm going to put my phone number and say, by the way, I'm ready today if you are. And so I'm hoping he's going to speed it up, all right? So there you are. Layla, now what were you going to say, darling? 
Well, at a time like that, you all know me, I like to find humor in things. And something that I find that <laughs> is kind of funny is that every time you meet somebody new and you tell them what you have, they say, oh, have you, have you been drinking a lot? <laughs> you know, because it goes True. along with drinking a lot, this yeah. kind of thing. But anyway, no, you haven't. <laughs> no, that, that's true. I mean, they were emphatic about that. Tell us about your alcohol. I said, what does it taste like? What does alcohol so, taste like? So, uh, I mean, I, I said this in early service, and Layla had to correct me, because some of you are not country enough to know. In the country, there is a, a weed that grows out in the field. It's called rat tail. And so we would take the seeds of that and wrap it in newspaper as little teenage boys and go hide out in the schoolyard and smoke rat tail. But at age 14, <laughs> we couldn't afford to buy cigarettes. cigarettes. There you are. Uh, so we, we'd make our own little things, you know. And, uh, but at age 14, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I said, no, I will never drink, I will never smoke, and I will never do illegal drugs. Now that's part of the blessing and the fact that my weight is a very healthy weight for my size and frame of body. And so to all of you, I'm going to say a word of pastoral direction for you. Keep yourself healthy. And if you need to lose weight, lose it now because if you have to have surgery, doctors have to work through all of that stuff and it makes it more difficult. Dr. Brown, could I have an amen? Amen. I thank you very much. And so that's just a little bit of admonition for you. Plan because you don't know. But what you want is the healthiest body possible if you must face the, the surgeon or if you must have a, a medical issue. Layla, go ahead again. One other thing before he, he tells you the things he would like from you, and all of these are prayers that he would like, is that we feel like we're be being carried along by angels, don't we? We do. We're calm. We don't understand it. And, and we experience a peace that really passeth all understanding. We really are experiencing that. And that is without all of you knowing and praying for us. And now when you join in doing that, I don't know what God's going to do, but you're talking about all these wonderful doctors, but we know the great physician, too, who can just totally take it away and heal. Good yes. shepherd. Good shepherd. Amen. So there are five things that we would just rest before you before we pray. Elders and... Um, uh, pastoral team, you're welcome to start coming this way just for the sake of time. Layla, if you'll do number one. We'd like for you to pray for our family and our church body, and especially for all of those within the church body that are facing similar challenges. So in, within that context, Pastor McCready will be responsible for fulfilling the pulpit, and uh, uh, Wayne Roberts, first chair of the elders, will be... Um, working with the pastoral team and the elders uh, so that there'll be no hiccup. What, if you want me to get well quick, get along with each other. Don't let me hear of any fussing, okay? Get along with each other and invite people to church and say, you know what? We're a covenant church. We're going forward. Number two, I want you to pray for expedition of the medical process. One, I'm not a procrastinator when it comes to these things. And I want you to pray for all the medical personnel who will be involved. And in that context, know that if you do have pancreatic cancer, the sooner you get at it, the better your odds. So I want it. I want to attack it quickly. Number three, Layla. Pray for us to make wise decisions in preparation for a needed time of healing. In other words, 
if God says slow down, that we'll do that. So there are things we've talked about doing, Layla and I, but all of a sudden we're having to pack a whole bunch of things together in just a matter of days now. And maybe just not more than three or four days to go. I hope we'll have sur- I'll have surgery this week. But um, I, I want you to understand that, that, you know, like, for example, it dawned on me. I woke up and I thought, wait a minute. I've not given Layla authority to sign my name. Even though I've done it a lot. <laughs> I know how to do it. But in a legal situation, she couldn't sell a car. She couldn't, you know, you understand? She couldn't even get money out of the bank unless there's just an account that's a joint account, right? So I'm having that document. One of my attorney friends, he's working over the weekend, actually, to get me that together. We talk later today, and that'll be done by tomorrow morning. Since number five is yours, I'll do number. Pray okay. for the excellent pastoral staff and elders as they team together to serve you. And finally, Layla. Oh, this is for you. That's, that's for me. me. So this is the most potent thing for you as a congregation. I've stood before you for almost 38 years. I've preached to you. I've tried to be an elder to you that you could respect in the community. And it matters to me a lot that I walked through this valley of the shadow of death with integrity that you can respect and you say he was not a hypocrite. That matters to me that I come through with grit, not being a hero, but not being a wimp. And that you be able to see in me a brother who trusts the Lord and believing that God will bring us through this in a way that he will be glorified, that it'll be good for the church, be good for the kingdom. Now, if I didn't tell you, I should tell you that I talked to a doctor before church this morning, Dr. Bridge Bossy, and he, I said, give me my odds. I want to know my odds. He said, sooner is better. Get it done. He said, but I can tell you that Debbie Ryan former coach UVA girls basketball had this done 25 years ago. And I said, I'll take those odds. That sounds really good. 25 years. Okay. But he said, there, there, there are mitigating circumstances that we have to take in and unmitigating circumstances we have to take into account. Now, long and short, I do not know when I will be able to stand in this pulpit again. But I do know that there's a crown of life. I do know that. Will you stand with us, please? You have a need this morning. You're welcome to come with this august body. They're going to join together in prayer. You're going through your own challenge, maybe like me. Anyone who wants to come and pray, no matter who you are. You're a member, you're not a member. I don't care who you are. I will take your prayers. But before we pray, we, I would like to preface my prayer from Psalm 91. The theme of this psalm says that there will be no dangers in the world, but he will protect us in time of dangers. The word of the Lord says, those who live in the, shadow, the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that flies by day. And then I'll go to verse 14 up to 16. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. For when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Let us pray. You may lift your hands to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we come together, Lord God, in unity to lift to you our pastor who has been our shepherd for the almost 38 years, Lord. Yeah. He stands tall. He never give promises, Lord God, that will not be fulfilled, Lord. And you, he has counseled us in every way of our life. And today, Lord Jesus, for this time, Lord God, we lift him to you and commit him to you, Father, for your healing mercies and strength, Lord God. And for his family, Lord, especially for Sister Layla, that you would give them this strength, Lord, that you will cover them with your feathers, O God. Protect them, O Lord Jesus, and give them peace. Peace that comes from you, not from anybody, but peace from God that passes all understanding. Thank you, and thank you, Almighty God, for our prayers because we know that you are listening and you will answer, Lord Jesus. Yes. Thank yeah. you, Lord God, that this is your servant. And he loved you more than anybody else, oh Father. Thank you, Lord God, that you said you will protect him. And in this time of great need, Lord, we pray, Almighty God, that your hands of mercy will be upon him, Father. We thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are our great physician, Lord. And we pray also, Lord God, for the medical personnel and staff that will attend to him, Lord, that you will grant them wisdom, grant them tender hands, Lord God, to do whatever is necessary and excellently, Lord God, that you will be with them. Even for those instruments that I will use, Lord, we lift them to you and commit them to you, Father. Lord, by your grace, everything will go excellently well. Father, thank you, Lord thank God, you. for loving each one of us, but especially to our pastor, yes. to his family, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. We thank praise you. you. We honor you. And we call upon your name, Lord Jesus. Yes. Because you said, we, if we call upon your name, you will answer. And thank you the promise for the promises that you have for us, Lord. He is, we are believers in you lord and faithful followers to you lord and lord jesus thank you thank you thank you for loving us 
Thank you for loving the Bears family, Lord. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you will, please stand right where you are for just a moment. Let me close with this. If you don't know him today, turn your heart toward the Lord now. You have no idea what it means to me. Thinking a month ago I was in perfect health to now know that I am challenged for my life, but to know that I have known him before. And that he knows me. And he knows my down-sitting bow. He knows my uprisings. So you want to know him. You want to know him. Know him. Father, right now in Jesus' name, may some heart, if there's anybody here today that they've not humbled their heart to say yes to Jesus, let it be so. Right now in this precious moment that they would say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Today, I want to walk with you, Lord, so that whatever is in my future, I have the great shepherd watching over me. In Jesus' name. And the people said amen and amen. Would you just stay still just a moment and let us lock this picture in our minds. I just want to lock the picture in my mind of seeing you all this morning praying. And knowing that you're supporting us in prayer and standing with us. It's the most precious thing in the world. Thank you. questions is being raised in the Bible and the question is this most men proclaim everyone their own goodness but a faithful man a faithful man who can find Lord by all the evidences by your grace and mercies upon his life this is a faithful man faithful to God faithful to his wife faithful to his family faithful to his people this is a faithful man not only that we are witnesses of how he reveres you, he fears you, he obeys you, he loves the poor. He has compassion on those who are downtrodden. And your blessings are outstanding for those who have this kind of character. Those who have a heart for the poor, the compassion for the downtrodden, for those who obey you, for those who revere you, for those who love you with all their hearts, for those who give their very best for you to bring glory to your name. These are the blessings among many. Number one is, you're going to guide them in the way that they choose to go. That they would hear when they make decisions, including decisions on the medical situations. That there would be a voice when they come to a fork in the road. And it would be either the way, the left or the right. But he's going to hear the voice that says, this is the way. Take it. The second Lord is this, that his soul shall dwell at ease. Because he knows that you are in control. Yes, Lord. The third Lord is this for his family. That his children, his children's children shall inherit the goodness of the Lord upon this earth. In Jesus name. The fourth one Lord is this. You're going Lord to be his friend in such a marvelous and more obvious ways. And you're going to reveal to him the riches of your outstanding promises. And because he has compassion to the poor. And he has Lord God. 
give into the poor and love the poor and champion the poor, the blessings are this, that his light shall arise out of darkness and this darkness shall be as bright as the noonday. As bright as the noonday. As bright as the noonday. You're going to strengthen his friend. You're going to guide him. You're not going to surrender him to the will of his enemy. No. No, Lord. No, Lord. If cancer is his enemy and he is his enemy, Lord, you're not going to surrender him, Lord, to his enemy. You're not going to surrender him to, his, to the fears. You're not going to surrender him, Lord, to being wicked, Father, because his strength is in you. And God, please remember, remember, Lord, to trust him with more years ahead of him, years of fruitfulness yes, Lord. and years full of mercy. And years full of health. Yes. Lord God, please make him such kind of a well-watered garden who springs of waters as a servant of God, as a husband, as a father, as champion of the poor. Be like springs of water that will never, 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 never fail in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. We'll keep you informed. Pastoral staff will keep you informed uh, thoroughly as we make the journey. Bless you. Go in peace. Go with God. Thank you. Pastor Bear, I would just like to add a prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we believe in doctors. We believe that you have given people these gifts and abilities. But we pray this, Father, that when he goes to the hospital, they will find nothing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Go serve the Lord.